And uh, welcome to Bird's Eye View. What? what? Scott. What? You're not serious. No, we, we have to get this in. Scott, I, are you looking at these conditions? I, I, listen, I, I... Look at the cloud cover, man. Do, I, do you see the pitter-patter over there? I, the ground is already damp. These conditions are completely and totally unacceptable to podcast in. Jake, we're going to get through this. We're going to get through five innings at least. And when it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for basis opinion. And we are not going to let the threat of rain delay us from playing this episode. This is completely irresponsible. And sir, I am on the verge of protest. You do that. Today is June 4th, 2018. This is episode 240. My name is Scott Magnus. And begrudgingly, my name is Jake English. And on this week's show, we're going to go ahead and go around the bases and explore everything that is great about Orioles baseball this week. If we don't drown doing it. And we'll do that right after we lubricate for the show. It's time for the drink of the week. Jake, what are you drinking this this fine evening? I'm I'm nervous. I'm wondering if if you'll approve. I'm drinking a Dead Rise Old Bay Summer Ale by Flying Dog. Well, Does if, that pass the test? Yeah, if the, if the rain continues on, we both may be having a dead rise. Yeah. I got uh, fly, not Flying Dog, um, Dogfish Head. Uh, I've got a Schmitz's Shrew. You're just trying to avoid the coin sound. Of course, I'm trying to avoid the coin sound. There's no question about it. Uh, if you want to know what we are drinking on a weekly basis, check us out on Untapped. I'm at MEGN8606. I'm at JakeE4025. And with that, let's go ahead and swing on over to the medical wing. Jake, let me talk about you in the medical wing right now. Colby Rasmus. No, no, wait, wait. Look, those, dude, those clouds are rolling in. They're dark and they're ugly. Are you going to talk about Colby Rasmus right here? Jake, are you really pulling a uh, a sanctity of the game here and basically trying to pick up this pace of, of speed of this game? We're moving on. Look, I'm waving four fingers from the dugout. If okay. you're going to talk about Colby Rasmus, let's move on. All right. I, I guess we're moving on to 280 characters less this week on the Twitters. All right. This one, Scotty. And I like where this is going. This one's in the wins column. This is a tweet from John Mioli who tweets at John Mioli. Austin wins as a locker on the hashtag Orioles Clubhouse to replace Andrew Susak. I got to be honest. We didn't talk about this in the show the last couple of weeks because we've had too many things to complain about. Austin wins is is uh, known to be a, a defensive guy. It seems like every tweet, though, I notice from the Norfolk Tides is Austin wins hitting a monster home run. Mm-hmm. It's possible that he's a you know more complete player uh, than we think. It's also possible that this is deck chairs on the Titanic. Uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, I I honestly think that uh, Ryan Blake actually had the winning tweet this week for Austin wins, where it says, "At least the Orioles now have eighteen wins." Oof. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. This next tweak uh, is coming from Pete 
Abraham. Uh, you can follow him at Pete Abe. He writes for the Boston Red Sox, unfortunately. Uh, hashtag Red Sox now paying Rusty Castillo, Hanley Ramirez, and Pablo Sandoval just under $30 million not to play for them this season. Still owes Sandoval $18 million for 2019 and Castillo 24.5 for 2019 and 2020. So it's not just the Orioles that have this problem. No, it's just the Orioles have uh, an $80 million problem looming over them in terms of Chris Davis. Uh, you want to take the next one? Sure. Uh, this is, and you wanted to avoid the co- uh, coin sound. This comes from Earl Weaver at Ole, O-L-E, Earl Weaver. Here's a blanking idea. Put the only guy on this team hitting a baseball in the leadoff spot. Manny is used to hitting with nobody on anyway, so get him an extra GD at bat. He's leaving soon enough, so let us enjoy the kid while we can. The bleeping end. There you go. I just saved you some editing time. Thanks. Appreciate that. Uh, Olar Weaver, not wrong. I've heard dumber things with the 2018 Orioles. Yeah, I, I would agree. Jake, now that Baltimore is a hockey town and uh, we have embraced everything about the Capitals because we've always rooted for Washington teams. Did you see that people are throwing crabs on the ice now? Yes. Because it's Maryland's team. Of course. Jesus. Obviously Maryland's team. Um, this tweet comes from Beyond the Box Score at BDP. BTP score, um, what the Vegas Golden Knights could mean for MLB expansion. This is a really interesting article because it goes back into the aspect of looking at the various cities and trying to figure out um, what kind of value could be there um, for a baseball expansion in terms of a market value. Uh, so basically, hockey expanded to Vegas. Yeah. So what does that tell us about where baseball could expand? Sure. I think okay. that's basically it. And it's trying to apply kind of a certain formula to it and just kind of seeing what kind of value it may have. I mean, the most obvious one from this article is Montreal looks like a, a slam dunk to basically get a baseball team in the in the near future just from this economic standpoint. But there's also some really interesting names that we've thrown out before. Charlotte, Nashville, Portland, San Antonio. I still say that Charlotte, I think, is a guarantee in the near future to get a team, if anything, just to further cut into the massive region once again. <laughs> well, you know, it's, what's funny about this, this article talks about uh, the Vegas expansion in hockey, and uh, they are considering, uh, or at least beyond the uh, box score, was saying that it's likely that Seattle will be the next team to get a hockey team. And so they have an X value comparison to both of those cities. Right. Uh, you know, so how does Charlotte compare against Vegas or against Seattle? And you're right. I mean, Montreal... Uh, does does great against both of them as, as well as Charlotte. So it's a really awesome article. Go ahead and look it up. We'll put the uh, link in the uh, in the show notes. Yeah, we always want to know where the Orioles may be transferring to in the Stop. next you know five to ten years. That makes me. How's your French Canadian? Uh, we. Oui. <laughs> With that, let's go ahead and limber up and go around the bases. All right, Jake, it's time to um, grab the Etch-A-Sketch, shake it all up, and erase all those predictions because they're out the window now. The team is mired in a seven-game losing streak. The team is 17-41, and 41, and they're on pace to win 47 games. What, 47 games, like, you know, in, in the next two months? No, 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 for the, for the, for the entire season. So we're going to come to first base, and we asked this question for the past few weeks, but we just don't know where the bottom is. We, we thought it would be 
we, we had hit it, but somehow we continue to enter into the great abyss, which is 2018 Baltimore Orioles. Um, so let, let's think about predictions here. And what do we think the rest of the season will look like? So, uh, Jake, after the Alex Cobb signing, I would say that we were, um, a little giddy. Sure. Sure. Um, probably a little illogical. Sure. Um, as, as we're wont to be. Yeah. Specifically coming off a a situation where in, um, previous instances you had actually called for a hundred lost season. It's true. Um, that is, that was my official prediction. That was your, well, I think you changed it though. No, I stuck with a hundred, but only to bait them into winning. Ah, gotcha. As, as did happen in, in 2012. So Jake, your prediction looks completely wrong at this point. Absolutely. In fact, can I, can I edit that? Sure. Absolutely. Let me shake the sketch. Shake it up. All right. Uh, Scott, there, there's no way that this team is going to win 62 games. Okay. All right. But, uh. Things have to be symbolic. Mm-hmm. Things have to be round numbers. They have to be important. So uh, this team, Scotty, is now going to win 54 games. Oh, okay. 54, of course, being the inaugural Orioles season. A team that was hopeless. A team that everyone knew wouldn't win. Yep. A team that was once the Browns. And yet, Baltimore embraced them as their own with hope for the horizon which really is our only choice at this point. So my my new uh my new official prediction, 54 wins. Yeah. Okay. Uh Jake, I'm going to go with um three wins. <laughs> three more? No, no, no. Three wins total. See, the way I see it is the Orioles are going to get into such a desperate situation that the Orioles are going to go out there and they're going to trade international draft picks and wins to various teams in order to get something back i thought maybe austin had some brothers no 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 no. <laughs> we're literally going to go out there and just trade away wins at this point and just decrease it if i if i could take it into the negatives that's fine but the orioles are not very good with imaginary numbers so we're just going to avoid that i like where you're going yeah. again uh these are symbolic three like the number of world championships for the baltimore Warriors. yep okay i like it um Next one I want to talk about was Chris Davis strikeouts. So, Jake, what are you thinking about for Chris Davis strikeouts? Well, I'm going to say something that will initially sound positive. Okay. But it's really sad. Yep. I'm going to go with uh, 150. Okay. Okay. Well shy of the 200 mark. Yes. But, Scotty, that's going to happen because he's going to see a lot more of the bench. Hmm. I think Chris Davis is going to be a four-day-a-week player from here on out. At some point, Buck Showalter will have to admit that this is the best thing for everyone involved. And so he will miss out on 200 strikeouts only because he's not able. Okay. So right now he's at 75 strikeouts. So you think he's actually going to get to 150? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm with you. I think he's going to get to 150 strikeouts. Um but I don't think it's going to be a situation where he's going to be riding the bench. I think he's going to be sitting up in the stand somewhere, <laughs> and uh, it's not going to be happening. He will either have been cut at a certain point, or he's going to get popped for a steroid suspension. Oblique, I know you hurt And um, I completely agree with you. I don't think he's going to get to the 200K aspect this season. Which is really disappointing, because at this point, aren't you just hoping for history? No. No, this comes back to last year's aspect of let's see starters give up five runs. I don't want to see it. There is nothing glorious about it. It was the same thing when there was positive stuff going on where people was like, I really want to see the Orioles hit a certain amount of home runs in one month. It's just like, great, a little footnote, 
but no one is going to remember this going forward. Scott, so I'm not interested. Some fans just like to watch the world burn. Absolutely. Jake, what other predictions do you have for the rest of the season? You know, I don't know that I have any other predictions, but I'll tell you what I'm watching for, mm-hmm. right? Because we're not watching to see what this team does, sure, right? We're watching to see what this team is. So what I'm watching for is Alex Cobb. Mm-hmm. Is Alex Cobb a Baldo Jimenez 2.0, or does he have a decent season the rest of the way out, right? Sure. If at some point he writes the ship, then you have some sort of hope that – 27 or 2018 was some sort of pariah and he comes back and he's a useful player yeah right but if he spends the whole season up and down looking like a baldo well boy howdy you can excuse fans that say we've got a problem next year sure so i'm i'm looking at alex cobb the other thing i'd like to see is that if any point tim beckham comes back and is a baseball player this season what that looks like and whether there's a future there for the Baltimore Orioles. Could okay. be that he comes back and that's just it for him and the Orioles. What are you looking for? Um, I think I made a prediction earlier in this season that I'm actually going to hold true to. Ooh. So this one's on the edge of sketch. I'm going to basically make this permanent. I made the prediction saying Manny Machado is going to win the MVP this year. Oh, man. You're but he's going to do it with heart. another team. Jeez. And my opinion is this. There's no way... Manny Machado is going to win the MVP in the American League this year. But there is enough of a gap currently within the National League where I feel like Manny Machado was traded to a certain National League team. He could potentially win that MVP for the National League. So my prediction still stands that Manny Machado could be potentially the MVP of the National League if he is traded in the near future. All right. I like this. I like where you're headed with this. Um, How long would he have to spend in the National League in order to to basically, you know, be... I don't think there's an actual rule for it, is the best way to describe it. Because if you remember a few seasons ago when Jonas Suspedes was traded to the Mets, Suspedes was up for the MVP conversation at that time and had only played with the Mets for only two and a half months. But the conversation came back to there were other people that people thought were more, you know, important to other teams than Suspedes. But Suspedes was in the conversation for the MVP conversation. So I easily think that Manny Machado could potentially be that individual. I mean, I'm looking at the names in terms of the National League. Uh, you got Freddie Freeman, who is posting a 2.6 F4. Nolan Arenado, who's posting a 2.5 F4. Brandon Belt, Chris Bryant. And then it goes down to Lorenzo Cain in the National League. If Manny Machado goes to a team for July, August, and September and absolutely dominates, I could see him being an MVP for the National League. All right, I have an important Manny Machado question. Sure. We talked uh, a few weeks we, we We should play the Manny Machado watch music, but we'll, we'll spare you all. But, so this is the hashtag Manny Machado, Manny Machado watch. Um, we talked briefly about the possibility of him being traded to the Cubs or traded to the Phillies and what that meant for what the Orioles thought they were. Uh, but you just said he needs to go to a National League club for him. Right. I just thought of a National League club. Let me ask you this, Scotty. Okay. The Braves yes. are better than they expected to be. Yes. And the Braves are chock full of young, talented players. Yep. Now, I haven't looked at their minor league system to give any kind of thought to They've this. They've got a ton of pitchers. I'm curious for this reason. Sure. They've already got Nick Marquez. Yep. They've already got Ryan Flair. Yep. And I already get TBS. And they already had tried, tried Jose Batista at third base earlier this season. If, if the Orioles traded Manny Machado to the Braves— Mm-hmm. 
We could watch him try to beat the Nationals. Yep. We could watch him not be on the Yankees. Yep. We could watch him and Nick Markakis and occasionally Ryan Flaherty play together, and we could do it on basic cable. And we might get some uh, some decent pitching prospects out of the deal. Where Who, who loses there? The Braves. <sighs> okay, but I win. I win. Yeah. I'm now rooting for the Braves, who I have not read anywhere or are interested. Sure. And it's interesting because, you know, you look at the Braves, and there are a lot of people in that Carolina area that we just discussed about sure. that have oftentimes— Mass and viewers. Yeah. Have flip-flop between cheering on the Orioles and then also looking at the Braves. And I've met many individuals from the North Carolina region that called the Brave and, Braves and the Orioles both their team, which is weird. Like, yeah. it's super weird— but it makes sense to a certain regard of saying, okay, I can kind of see where you're coming from. And at least you're not rooting for a Yankees or a Red Sox in, in this regard of saying, at least I'm going to be rooting for the closest team that is in proximity to me. So, yes, Jake, I would love to see Manny Machado in a Braves jersey or a Cubs jersey or whatever value can be. But certainly, I think it would be really interesting to watch Manny Machado and Nick Marcakis once again on the team going into the playoffs and I would watch the, watch the heck out of the Braves in the playoffs if that happened. Totes. All right. Can we, we just on? turn it into a Braves podcast? We might have. <laughs> in fact, why don't we go find a Braves podcast to talk to? Let me talk to you about Tyler Flowers right now. <laughs> All right. Can we go to second base? Yeah. Can we make a Flowers for Algernon reference, too, from the Baltimoreans? Totally. <laughs> okay. Totally. <laughs> and if you think about it, that works because, you know, there's a peak in the middle and then things just dash sadly Absolutely. at the end. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Um, okay. Second base. Wait, wait, wait. Does the rat die? Second base. The future is now. And Scotty, I want to talk very briefly about the Braves organization. (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk very briefly about an article that came out in the Baltimore Sun. I think this is Mioli. Let me look real quick. Of course, it's Mioli. It's good. Um, This is an article that came out. It talks about uh, Dan Duquette basically admitting what everybody knew. Dan Duquette said, look, I'm not going to talk about whether or not this team needs to be blown up. We're not going to talk about whether or not this team is good or bad until Memorial Day happens. Well, Memorial Day came and went, and Dan Duquette was pretty quiet on the subject. Yeah. And so, true to form, he failed at that. And so, about a week later... He came back and finally addressed the issue. And uh, I don't want to read this whole article to you. In fact, I want you to go out and look at that on thebaltimoresun.com. Because John Mioli. Because he, it's John Mioli. And he's the best beat writer right now for all the Baltimore Orioles. Sorry, Rock. You do a good job for what you do, but John Mioli is killing it. So, Scott, your hair over arms is what you're saying? I am definitely hair over arms. <laughs> Some of the quotes are are a little telling. And it talks about Dan Duquette basically admitting to the fact that sometimes you have to stop trying to build for the now and start trying to build for the future, right? He says, this club doesn't have what it takes to compete now. We're going to try to do everything that we can to make sure that we do it in the future. Woo, logic! But, but the quotes, the way he phrases it doesn't fill me with, with the kind of confidence that he's really on board. It's Dan Duquette. It really what are you is. expecting from Dan Duquette? Are you expecting like to be filled with confidence any single time? When has Dan Duquette said something and you've been like, I feel confident going forward? Yeah. Here's the thing. I do I do want to give everybody in the world Colby Rasmus. No, oh, there's the rain. Yeah. Oh, there yeah. it's misting. Yeah. It's misting. No. Look what you We're did. We're gonna play through this. There are no puddles yet. You did this with Colby Rasmus talk. No. The mullet can do that. (laughs) (laughs) I do want to say, though, that the thing about the Orioles going into this next phase of whatever it is that they claim they're trying to do, Scotty, I am not an expert at rebuilding Major League Baseball teams. But Dan Duquette is. 
yeah, his LinkedIn account his says LinkedIn that. account says so. But the thing is, that I won't know as it's happening whether the moves that are being made are good moves or not, right? Like, we think we know what a rebuild looks like. But remember, we went through 14 years of watching a rebuild not happen, right? And so I'm not sure that I've seen that success happen in a way that I can watch a move and say, yep, that won't pay off for today, but it'll definitely pay off for tomorrow. I think that there are a lot of moves that the Orioles can make and and frankly will make that will say, well, gee, that's got a chance of working. Let's hope. Yep. And more importantly, I think that there will be cha- uh, changes made and, and moves made that we decry as being worthless and not helping the team. And in many cases, we'll be right and occasionally we'll be wrong. So that's not unique to me. I think that's probably true of most Orioles fans. So as the Orioles go through this rebuild, retool, whatever they brand it, let's just remember, pay attention to the stuff that matters and try not to get too excited about the stuff that doesn't matter. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Let's go to third base, and MLB draft is going on Monday night. And everyone is a draft expert out there on Twitter tonight. I've got Mel Kuyper hair rocking tonight. Absolutely. And the MLB draft is so different than any other major sport um, outside of hockey, which everyone knows about the hockey draft now in Baltimore. Is hockey the one they play on horseback or the one they play in the pool? No, that's the one that um, everyone jumps in the bandwagon when a team is about to capture the championship. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so it's really interesting to see the dynamic that MLB has been trying to play up with this of trying to turn it into... Um, something similar to the NBA draft or the NFL draft and having the players there, having them come up and putting on a whole like show for it. Um, And certainly using MLB network to their advantage is the best way to describe it. But the MLB draft is not a sexy thing. It's just this aspect of like most of these players you're not going to see for at least a year or two. In some instances, you're not going to see for five years. So it's not that immediate impact that you would see with the NFL or even the NBA draft. The MLB draft is more just like, Eh, it's not that interesting. It's it's just it's you know it's it's a lottery at best. But the nature of the like NFL draft, right? Yeah. Somebody's drafted, and you feel like you know what that person's floor and ceiling is, right? Like you can look at a fourth round draft pick lineman, and you go, that guy's going to be pretty good filler, right? He'll be in the forties as far as your your active fifty man fifty three man roster, right? With the baseball draft, you have no earthly idea, yeah. right? You They draft some kid out of a JUCO college in California and like, all right, this is what the experts say. This is what the scouts say. Who knows, right? Right. They draft some kid at a high school. Five years later, he could be through, you know, two Tommy John surgeries sure. and he's nothing. Yeah, and I mean, we've seen this before where you can look at the top 15 draft picks and you're like, well, you know, those top 15 should easily go in the top 100. But we've talked about this too, even in the you know, top 100 list. There's a good chance that even if you're in the top 100, you're not going to make a significant impact in terms of being a top 100 player. Um, you know, it really takes a special talent. And that's why a player like Manny Machado was so special because, you know, top draft pick, um, you know, immediately went into the top 100. And then you just basically just could see the talent written all over him. And, Specifically, the Orioles have gotten to the situation where, you know, they've basically gone out and drafted pitcher after pitcher after pitcher after pitcher in the first round, which is perfectly fine. But um, the Orioles' development, obviously, is always going to be a question mark. And we What? I know. And we, and we, Scott, 
they developed Brian Mattis. And we've yet to see any significant benefit from their pitching staff um, outside of, I guess, 2012 and 2011 when they drafted Kevin Gossman and Dylan Bundy. But even now, we're just starting to see that. So it's six years after the point of the draft. So whoever they pick tonight, it's going to be four to six years before we actually get any value of them. So I I mock the Orioles sure. openly and viciously. Very openly. Uh, but I would like to say I think they've done a better job drafting of late okay. than they have. And so i just like to run through sure. a couple, right? We all knew. I think I think it really started with like the Matt Wieters era, sure. right? Wieters, and then it was Machado in 20. I think uh, Wieters was 09, maybe Machado was 10. Yeah, that's sure. Since then, let's just roll through the first round. Okay. Right. Uh, 2010, Manny Machado, shortstop. Good pick. 11, Dylan Bunny, right-handed pitcher. Good pick. 12, Kevin Gosman, right-handed pitcher. 2013, uh, two, all right, uh, Josh Hart, center fielder. He had some injuries. Not a good pick. Was released yep. in March of this year. Fine, whatever. Hunter Harvey, right-handed pitcher. Yeah, and at that time, Hunter Harvey was a really interesting pick. Um, I think he was picked at 17 or 18, I think it was, off the top of my head, which, again, you're kind of throwing your hands up in the air and saying, let's hope for the best. But Hunter Harvey was not a bad pick at that time. Sure. 2015. This is where this is this is an interesting draft right here, and I yeah. want to talk just a little bit about this. Ryan Mountcastle, shortstop, was D- he picked in the first round? Yeah. Okay. DJ Stewart, outfield. Was DJ Stewart the first pick though? I remember DJ Stewart might be the first pick, and I think Ryan Mountcastle was yes. a uh, compensation compensation yeah. pick. Yeah, I was livid with the DJ Stewart pick. Me too. Here's the thing. I thought the DJ Stewart was the second coming, though, a position player of Matt Hopgood. Okay. Right? I, I thought he would come to nothing. Maybe Billy Rowell. It doesn't matter. I, I saw DJ Stewart, and I saw the stance that DJ Stewart had, had, and I'm like, that makes no sense. And I saw where DJ Stewart was ranked in according with everybody else in the draft board, and I said, this makes no sense. Like, the Orioles clearly drafted a player well above the slot pick that they had. So I think, you know, DJ Stewart was supposed to be – I mean – the pick the Orioles had, I think, was either 14th or 15th, and I think the Orioles picked DJ Stewart, and he was forecast to be like 35 to like 40 or something like that. And I was like, why the heck are they picking someone that far down the board? And it came back in 2015 where they were basically getting all this additional money outside the first round so that they could basically get a ton of people signed through it. So they basically took some of their slot money and dropped it across the entire region, which, eh, I, I'm with you. Yeah. I thought it was a wasted pick. Yeah. I I don't know that it's not still a wasted pick, but let me let me just say this. I'm surprised that three years later, DJ Stewart is in AAA and not doing horribly. Yeah. Right? He's having a pretty good season. I'm not saying that means he's going to be a useful major league player. No. I'm not saying that that, that uh, you know, defends the choice. I'm surprised that this didn't crash and burn. Sure. So I am open to the opportunity of him being a useful major league player. Not a star, sure. right? I, I still put DJ Stewart in my uh, Nolan Reimold category, which means yeah, he, he could have some value, but it's not the value you want from a first-round talent. I hear you. I hear you. 2016, they drafted in the first round Cody Sedlock. Okay. Yeah, I mean, right. yeah. yeah. And then uh, last year, they, they drafted uh, D.L. Hall, which uh, left-handed pitcher. We'll wait to see what happens. Right. But Other notable drafts all right because not everybody and not every talent comes out of the first round Scott. of course not so let's look back a little bit 2016 in the third round they drafted austin hayes yeah uh n- not having a bang-up season this year but austin hayes i think is, is a guy who has a real chance to contribute at the major league level sure. in some capacity right? right 
uh, which is good out of the third third round. 2015, Cedric Mullins, an outfielder, drafted in round 13. Complete luck is he, the best way to yeah, describe Absolutely. It. And that's the thing is that as, as often as you pick at the top and you fail, and the Orioles have done it, occasionally you hit in these mid-rounds. Sure. Uh, 2014, David Hess, who we've seen make a couple of, of you know, Spot starts. Caliber of Major League <laughs> starts. Uh, drafted in the fifth round. Okay. Tanner Scott. Yeah. Drafted in the sixth round yeah. that year. Again, even if he turns into nothing but a power-throwing loogie, you get that out of the sixth round. A, right. left, a left-handed Tommy Hunter got you. Yeah. Uh, let's see how many uh, how many Bud Lights he can squeeze into his hands. Uh, back to 2013. In the third round, Chancisco, catcher, was drafted. Uh, all the way back in round eight, Trey Mancini was selected. And um, hey, look, look, we also get Austin Wins, yeah. a catcher drafted in the 10th round. Also in that year, we had uh, Mike Yastrzemski no, drafted bad. in round eh. 15. Eh. You, don't, you don't like I hate Mike Yastrzemski. It's one of those situations where I thought Mike Yastrzemski was going to be something. Mike Yastrzemski is 28 years old right now. Mm-hmm. Mike Yastrzemski is way too old to any value. It's nice that he's got his dad, his grandfather's last name. That's all he's got going for him right now. You don't think that he's a guy that can contribute as a fourth outfielder no. in the major leagues? No. All right. No. Also, no. Austin in- Hayes, Cedric Mullins, and DJ Stewart, yes. Mike Yastrzemski is, no, he's, he, he's cannon fodder for, <laughs> for, for the minor league system right now. Also, he's why Ryan Ripken isn't averaging right now, just oof. to draw Taurus in. Oof. Yeah. Don't use that name here. Uh, also, in 2013, they drafted Donnie Hart in round 27. Okay. Again, though, I point out this aspect, and this is why I think round one is so valuable. And I, I understand where you're coming from round one through three. It, it comes back to my point, which is this is your opportunity to really get your top 100 players and potentially to get your top 50 prospects. And I don't see the Orioles making those moves. Like I look at a DL Hall, I look at a Cody Sedlock, I even look at a Ryan Mountcastle and a GJ Stewart, and I'm like, eh, they could turn into serviceable MLB talent, but they don't scream to me as top 50 prospects. When I think top 50 prospects, I think a player like Manny Machado, Dylan Bundy, Kevin Gosman, Hunter Harvey. Those are picks that I think as when they were selected, we said, they have a good chance of being top 50 prospects. The rest of these picks are, yeah, there may be some value there if we can develop them. And those are the picks I don't like. You're totally right. You want to stack the deck as much as you can. Right. Because that's really all you're doing, right? Yeah. You're stacking the deck to get as much as you can. Even you like hope we said, for. a top 50 pick is still a lottery pick in itself. So why would you have a lottery pick on a lottery pick? The thing is, is that whether it's the Orioles' fault or not, they drafted at the top for 15 years and almost always came up snake eyes mm-hmm. right and it doesn't always work mm. i mean look at mark uh mark apple mark appell whatever it was you know drafted number one number four whatever he was and he turned into nothing right like i keep talking about brian mattis drafted four overall and i wanted to push him off of an ice flow sure it doesn't always work sure but i will grant you that when the the you know the the college or the high school pedigree is there and is there for the taking you should probably shoot for the moon. Oh yeah, right. Because it's not like football, right? Where your your scouts can find the diamonds in the rough. I don't believe in the Orioles as much as I do any other organization of professional sports because they've proved so poor. I hope that the last few years, like we just rolled through, sure, 
is is proving that they're starting to find the diamonds in the rough, the right. Trey Mancini's. But show me. Right. And so far they haven't. So I, I'm with you. They need to they need to go for the gold in the first couple rounds. And if they don't, I I am suspect of the motives. Yeah, I mean that's that's my biggest concern. I mean, just thinking about, you know, previous aspects of the Dark Ages, you know, Nick Marcakis, seventh pick in the first round in two thousand three. I mean, these are the kind of players that you're looking for. I mean, they may not be Hall of Famers, but they're really good players that you can get some significant value for. And I, I'm just looking for those top 50 players to basically get me interested in saying who is going to lead this team going forward in the future? Who is going to be that all-star player? Who is going to be that player that you know replaces the Manny Machado or the Adam Jones in the decade to come? And as of right now, I don't see it. I'm with you. All right, uh, let's go ahead and uh, run on over to uh, home plate and get uh, ready. Well, no, no. Uh, it's getting heavier. Scotty, for, I object for two reasons. Okay. First, I'm standing in a puddle. All right, this is absurd. Okay. First Secondly, of all, we can take care of that. Ground screw, come on over. Get Dump that dirt on his feet. Okay, appreciate it. You're good now. You're not in a puddle anymore. You're in like a soupy mud, but you're no longer in a puddle. SD Studios has nowhere good enough near uh, drainage for. By the this. way, I have no clue if that was you know regular dirt or anything like it. I, it might have been kitty litter. But I don't know. Secondly, I also didn't know I had midgets down here that could just pour stuff on my floor. We have no business going to home plate. Oh, okay, Scotty. Reason the, why? If the Orioles can't score, if the Orioles can't make it all the way around the bases, this podcast cannot go all the way around the bases, and so. I demand that we stop at third base. Uh, we can stop at third base. We can speed this along again. We're, we're close. We should see this thing through to the finish, okay? If you insist. When it comes to popping a natural finger popping, baby, you should have swing. And when it comes to popping and a natural finger popping, daddy, you are the king, baby. Got me beat up and down inside and across. Ooh. But in the middle of the night, when the moon is shining right near the ball, it's like Stockholm syndrome. I'm almost disappointed when it's not who's the boss. What can I say? Once again, Bird's Eye View has managed to not move the needle forward any further, <laughs> just like the Baltimore Orioles. Jake, it is a push once again. With you winning your category, me winning my category. Jake, the question that was raised to you last week is who's going to have the more victories in this past week? The Capitals or the Orioles? You mean Maryland's team? Maryland's Capitals. The Washington Capitals? Yes. Uh, they had two victories. The Orioles had zero. <laughs> uh, the Orioles, um, my category was, where the Orioles have more runs or give up more runs during the first inning. And uh, lo and behold, the Orioles scored eight runs this week in five games. And they only give up one run in the first inning. That must be a misprint. It is not a misprint. So, Jake, we are back at a push at 4-4-2 four, four, and two now. So, Jake, are we going to keep doing this segment? Yeah, you know what? In fact, some folks have, have dug this either-or uh, format, and so we've been encouraged to continue. And, Scotty, I have what I hope is another ridiculous category for you. Okay. Uh, so, Scott Magnus. Yes. This is your either-or for this week. Okay. Do you think... That there will be more Orioles victories, okay, or roster moves. 
Ooh, uh, I'm going to go with roster moves. All right, let me just define this. Yes. It is Monday, so we're starting Tuesday. Yes. All the way through time of recording next Monday. Yes. Okay. So, And we're going with anything of like option players or activated players or hashtag traded players? <laughs> any, hashtag hug watch? Any, any change to the 25-man roster versus Orioles wins? I, I'm going to go with roster moves. Uh, Jake. <laughs> Uh, I know how much you love a good old dong fest. I, you know, dong fests are among my favorites ever since attending so, American. So, University. Jake, I ask you this question: um, Will the Orioles batters have more dongs, or will the Orioles relief pitchers give up more home runs? Oof, that is a. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Relief pitchers giving up dongs. <laughs> I feel like the last time we, dongs were included in, in fantasy balls, zero were hit. It's, it'll probably be the same way. No games will be played this week. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, relievers, uh, Orioles relievers giving up more home runs than the lineup uh, hitting. All right. We will find out who won this week of fantasy boss with this either or, and we will find out who will own it. By the way, feel free to send us your own ridiculous either or throughout the week. Play along. Lean into the misery, Birdland. It's here. That's right. It's time again for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Here's the thing. Good, the bad, and the ugly, it's a, it's a segment we're known for, right? But it was one that we found very difficult this week because, try as we may, we had to dig in to try to find the good. But alas, we worked really hard. We did our research. We looked for every nook and cranny, under every rock. We split every piece of wood. And Baltimore, I found you a good... Scotty, can you hear me? I've got a lot of my ears here. Scott, Scott. Jake, this isn't going to happen. All right, the good and the bad and the ugly not happening this week? I, I, Jake, I, I think we're going to have to call it. I literally can't get the midgets anymore out there. They are literally under a puddle of water. I, I cannot believe for the first time in Bird's Eye View history, we're going to have a postponement of good, bad, and the ugly. You're shaking your head. It's not a postponement. It's not a postponement. We are going to have to issue refunds. Not even a single admission double header for Good, Bad, and the Ugly no. next week. No, full refund. Oh, you're breaking my heart. All right. Well, I, I guess it's time then to uh, to blow the save. Is it not? Uh, I, let's finish this up. Get people out of the stands because uh, the threat of lightning, aka Chris Davis swinging, is uh, is impending. So it's a dangerous situation. It's a dangerous, <laughs> dangerous situation. All right, Birdland, here we go. Um, we're going to get a little Baltimoreans here. In lieu of our dear friends, Sam and Alan, no longer operating a podcast. That is Orioles-themed. Well, Orioles-themed slash issues that mattered to them. Political theater. 
Uh, so if you are a listener that loves the show and hates the combination of baseball and politics, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and switch off. It was great having you this week. We love you. We'll catch you next week. It was fun. Hopefully the Orioles are better for you next week. I, I hope you've had a, a great week anyway, and uh, I hope next week is dry. So I'm just going to give you a couple seconds to go ahead. Be safe out there and let's go O's. And, uh, and click the end of the podcast. This is your time. We assume nobody's listening anyway, and so for those of you who are left, let me just go ahead and blow the save. Uh, on the way over here, Scotty, I uh, was checking the news at a red light, and I uh, I read a, a press release from our— By the way, that's against the law. <laughs> just going to point that out. You're not allowed to operate a cell phone in a car even when in a stationary at a red light. I read a press release from our dear leader. I hope the FBI is listening right now. Nobody's listening, Scotty. It was a press release uh, basically disinviting the Philadelphia Eagles to the White House for their celebration after winning the Super Bowl. And look, I don't care. I don't give a lick about the Philadelphia Eagles. And I don't really care about celebrations for championships in the White House. Doesn't doesn't matter. Uh, They were disinvited because of some of their uh, protest with the anthem. And the president of the United States couldn't handle that. I think certain displays of patriotism are fantastic. And I think the theater of certain displays of patriotism are dangerous. In this country, we should not have a litmus test for patriotism. And we should also be able to distinguish between the symbols of our democratic republic and the institutions of our democratic republic. And I think that we should respond when one is threatened and not so much when the other is threatened. So do I care about teams going to the White House? No. Do I care about the Philadelphia Eagles? No. You can say what you will about players making political statements on company time. And you can say what you will about a company like the NFL not making a comprehensive and a coherent statement about what is and is not allowed by their employees on company time. But I will say this. The person that is too thin-skinned for demonstrations of our symbols of this democratic republic is the same one that is responsible right now for bringing peace to the Korean Peninsula. That job requires thick skin. His job in its entirety requires thick skin. And ours as a society to be able to differentiate what matters and what does not requires thick skin a little something to reflect on and that's our show remember you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at bird's eye view baltimore.com bird's eye view is available for download wherever it is that you get your podcasts subscribe to the show on apple Podcasts, stitcher google play music and many others please remember to rate and review this show we appreciate the feedback and it encourages other people to listen for the first time we love meeting new people and talking orioles baseball and the occasional politics with other diehard fans email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com you can also contact jake at jake at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com <laughs> you email. can find us on instagram facebook and snapchat but the best way to get a hold of us is on twitter where we tweet at birdseyeviewbal please send all hate mail to us via direct message and with that baltimore and beyond i bid you all a fond adieu adieu good night to baltimore be safe out there, and let's go O's. Scotty, did you bring an umbrella? 
I, I did not. Uh, does this mean we're going to have to um, just get wet? Absolutely. Okay. Well, I guess we'll go ahead and uh, get wet. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Oh.